Hey guys, it's today we got Ron's story on uh, the podcast and I uh, met Ron a few months ago through Ace Chapman. Ron has a business pitch DB that he bought actually. So that's one of the reasons why it's on the show because that one we can talk about how he got to acquire that business. Um, but before we get into that, kind of want to take it back to how you started the, you know, your entrepreneurial journey, where you're from and, you know, what you're working on nowadays. Oh yeah, no, that's pretty cool. So I'm from East St. Louis, Illinois, man. Uh, mm -hmm. At one point, we had like a streak of 20 years of the most dangerous city in America, right? Yeah. And it's a little bitty town, and people always talk about the bad things, but, you know, I'm one of the, the what I believe to be the good things that have come out of East St. Louis, that um, there's a lot of great people from East St. Louis, the great jazz, great Miles Davis, mm -hmm. um, you know, several basketball players from the – 90s and early 2000s, Darius Miles, Lafonso Ellis, mm -hmm. the coach, the head coach of basketball from University of Missouri is Conzo Martin. I mean, there are a lot of great people that have come out of uh, the greatest female athlete in history. Jackie Joyner Kersey grew up down the street from me. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So she's a really good friend now. Um, but it's just the idea that, you know, everybody has this story. I've come from the worst place. No, it ain't really that bad. You know, yeah. I mean, it's the worst place in America, but it ain't the worst place on earth. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I, I, I can say that I was very fortunate to be born and raised where I was raised. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've gone on to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't tall enough to play basketball and I wasn't strong enough to play football, but I was smart enough to make some money. So that's what I've done. Yeah. What, what was like the first business you got into? Uh, I used to uh, collect cans. You, yeah, collect, like. you collect aluminum cans, you stomp on them, put them in a trash bag. And every month my mom would put that stinky uh, uh, bag of uh, leaky beer cans and soda cans that I collected. You mm -hmm. know, we, we only take them once a month because we needed the cans to dry out. Right. So we stomp on them to open them up to get all the liquid out. <laughs> right. And um, you put them in the bag. You want to get as many in the bag as possible. You take them and you get 30 or 40 bucks every month. And that's that was the first actual business i was in the recycling business mm -hmm. at six years old at six yeah you was either taking bottles or cans man that's that's how you make money in yeah. the hood man <laughs> yeah I, I remember doing that too nla <laughs> yeah i mean we didn't call it a business back then but that's what it was i was in the recycling business don't be a hater yeah <laughs> <laughs> that for sure so then like throughout you know you're you know growing up and stuff you just, i'm assuming you try like different things and um, I mean, you just you, you just do whatever you know you, but my mom and dad were school teachers so mm. you know i was just told to stay in school but i'm like dude i want some money you know so i would try things i would you know try to cut the grass i was allergic to it mm -hmm. so i never was able to cut grass hey let's go shovel snow man that stuff's heavy i ain't doing that too long <laughs> you know? so i just stuck to the cans and, and stuff like that and then uh, we try to sell little things through like the mm -hmm. little candy sales at school and stuff like that to get toys right. that I wanted. But, you know, most yeah. of the time that was me hiring my mom to take the candy list to her work <laughs> and she sold the candy. You know, I was the CEO. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the CEO. <laughs> I want that bike. So, mom, you need to go sell these Katie Dids yeah. so I can get that bike. <laughs> uh, so, so, so as you got older, you know, how, did you progress into like other more, you know, bigger, you know, different kind of business? Yes. Yeah, so or did you like, I, did you go to college? Did you want to like, you know, or did you decide, you know, that's not for me? You know, I'm just going to keep doing this business thing. 
No, I went to college. I just fell out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I showed up and got kicked out, you know? You got, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I went to school for engineering. I was in the number one engineering school in the country at the time, University mm-hmm. of Illinois, right. for civil engineering. And uh, I mean, they were ranked above MIT and all of this stuff. And I was in the civil engineering program because my teachers in high school told me, hey, you're really good at math. You should be an engineer. Right. Okay. I don't even know what an engineer does. <laughs> I don't even have any friends that are engineers. I never met an engineer in my life. Right. But when you're in the hood, you just listen to what your teachers say. Oh, right. You I'm going to be an engineer. You can make $60,000 a year. Well, in 92, that's a lot of money. But, yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, 60000 Yeah, I'm doing that. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I went to school for engineering. The first year I realized that that was not for me. Mm. And the University of Illinois sent me a letter saying, hey, uh, you're on academic probation. We, su- we suggest that you go to a different school oh, wow. to do your gen eds and maybe <laughs> reconsider your major. Oh, wow. So, um, man, I bawled like a baby, man. I was crying because I'd never really, like, gotten kicked out for being stupid. Like, I was really smart. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is my first reality check that maybe the education I received, it wasn't up on, wasn't up to par compared to what everybody else was receiving, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, that was a huge reality check for me. Uh, went back to summer school that summer and um, took business classes because I was a part of this um, entrepreneurship program in high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm just going to go start a business. So that mm-hmm. summer I actually tried to start a miniature golf and go-kart track. Okay. Um, yeah. And I tried to raise like $800,000 to build this thing. Right. And I went around to every bank in Illinois asking for a loan. And they just would not tell this stupid kid no. Right. right. They would just, oh, you know, come back tomorrow. No, just tell me no. <laughs> like, don't have me keep coming back in here. Right. Like, I'm wasting my time, but you don't want to break my heart. I don't mm-hmm. care. Tell me if you're going to give me the money. And this one guy said, man, look, we're not going to give you the money. Nobody <laughs> else is going to give it to you because you don't have any money. Right. You know, so you need to put down a certain amount to get this SBA loan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. You out of your mind? Like if mm-hmm. I had a hundred thousand dollars, I wouldn't be in here asking you for the eight hundred thousand dollars, right? <laughs> right? Right. I would be out doing something with the hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And um, so we ended up um having a long conversation. He says, Look, you write really good business plans. I get people that have the money, they don't have a business plan. What if I send them to you to write their business plans? Mm-hmm. So at mm. this time, you know, computer software was still brand new. Everybody didn't even have a PC and right. cell phones weren't even out. Like cell phones came in big boxes, like bags that you had to carry around. So there was no smartphone. Mm-hmm. So I had this program called um, Business Plan Pro okay. that I had bought for, to write my business plan for uh, me going around to these banks. But mm-hmm. nobody knew I was using a, the thing. They okay. thought I was like writing all this stuff. They had templates. <laughs> I was using these damn templates. You using the templates? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just, but it had graphs that it would make according to your Excel sheet and everything. Yeah. So, but that was innovative in, in 97. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big deal. So he was like, you do a really good job. You, you know, we have a guy that does them for $80 an hour. If you just mm-hmm. do it for $40, a lot of people will come to you because they complain about him charging $80 mm-hmm. an hour. And I'm like, $40 an hour? Hell yeah. Send me everybody. Right. right? So that was like the first official business that I'd ever started, which mm-hmm. was writing business plans for entrepreneurs in uh, Champaign, Illinois. Awesome. And then that's kind of how you got into like the more into tech stuff as well. Cause you know, no, you kinda... that's how I got into, I mean, that was in 1997. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So again, this, there's no 
the internet is like only used for looking up rap lyrics. Okay. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> websites are is like porn pictures and rap music. Yeah. Like, music lyrics like oh you can find the lyrics to these songs mm -hmm. right and, and so, so at this point did you see like an opportunity in the internet like space yet or was it just, no that like, wasn't I'm until just... 2012 man. okay oh really yeah. okay <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, when i was making money writing mm -hmm. the business plans one of my buddies was selling investments for prudential insurance okay. or whatever his name was walter and walter was like man i know you make your money why don't you um buy some mutual funds from me mm -hmm. so i started putting 500 bucks a month into mutual funds Right. when I was 20 and I'm like, Oh, I like this. Like I can do this. And I, you know, the, nobody could lose at that time. Monkeys <laughs> were picking stocks. So I thought I was smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they had monkeys that were just throwing darts at a dartboard and the stocks were going up, you know, like it was just really stupid, but everybody was a genius from 97 to 2000. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody was, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, mm -hmm. So um, in 2000, um, um, the stock market crashed mm -hmm. and um, I had transferred schools because my mom told me that, you know, I had to go back to school or I wasn't going to be able to come back home. Oh, she says, I don't really? care how much money you're making with this business. You're going back to school, you know? Mm -hmm. So she actually forged my college applications and, um, oh, really? you know, yeah, yeah. applied for. Um, now, here's the crazy thing. In 1998. Mm -hmm there was no program in the state of Illinois for entrepreneurship. You could not go to school for entrepreneurship. You can go okay. for business administration or accounting right. or marketing, but there was no coursework for starting a business. Mm -hmm. So two schools, Illinois state university in Northern Illinois piloted an entrepreneurship track okay. for, um, for business. And I joined that track and my first, um, first semester, my, one of my professors asked, does anybody ever want to be a financial advisor? There's a company that is offering internships and you get to do the actual financial advice stuff. You actually get to meet with people. You have your own mm -hmm. office, all of this stuff. And I'm like, me? You're like that. You're like, yeah, I'm doing that. And yeah, I did that for two years. Like, you know, I did that for two years while I was in school. And then I went on to work for that company for two extra years once I graduated. Mm -hmm. um, eventually went on to um, have uh, eight Allstate agencies and, and um, uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, that I controlled mm -hmm. the financial services side of those businesses. And then I ran Illinois and Iowa for farmers insurance mm -hmm. um, before I got out of the insurance business. So that's kind of taking you from 2000 to 2010. Got it. Right. Okay. And then, how, you know, so like fast forward a little bit more, I guess from there, like how did you end up in uh, managing Columbia and, you know, and buying this, uh, this, this, this business, Pitch TV? Yeah, so, so, you know, I ended up in Medellin because a company was um, for sale. Um, mm -hmm. Well, actually, I was coming to Medellin before I even had this company. So I was mm -hmm. coming to Colombia. I was going, going to Cali. So okay. ever since October of 2016, I had been spending six months a year in Colombia, right? So I would go to Cali until my visa was up, then I would go back, right? Until right. my passport six months was up, I'd go back to the States. And at this point, was it like for like, just for like, cause you like Columbia or, you know, for like I don't like reasons? the snow. Like, oh. It's cold in St. Louis. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I'm tired of the snow, right? Before that, I had lived in Honduras and Costa Rica. So okay. I've been traveling around since 2014 just to avoid the snow. Like as gotcha. soon as the snow comes, I'm leaving, right? Uh, so you, you know, work in the States and Illinois and then you would head out to Latin America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Whenever October came and it was football season, I got to go. Yeah, I'm out. Just to go. Right. Exactly. 
So in um in uh December of 2017, mm-hmm. um I was I, I run an email marketing company where we like send a bunch of cold emails and do lead generation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was um I still have that company now. And in doing that, we're always looking for lead sources. Right. Right. So we would scrape leads on our own and do all this stuff. And I found a company that had leads and the sending mechanism. Mm -hmm. Usually they're separate. You got to buy leads over here, take the Excel sheet, put it in the software over Mm -hmm. here. And I was looking at this. Yeah. Can you just go over a little bit what what scraping means just for people that may not know? Just like kind of like overview. So scraping is um, when you do things that the government and and, uh, Google thinks are bad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's when you create software that just goes on web pages mm-hmm. and searches for certain data, whether it's an email address or a phone number, or sometimes as Google does it, they, they hate when you do it to them, but they do it to everybody. Right. They go and they take all the data off of your webpage mm-hmm. and store it to make it searchable. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So what we were doing, we were going and taking all the email addresses off of web pages, mm-hmm. associating it with the web page and making it searchable. So if you want it, um, to reach out to uh, uh, Luis.com, <laughs> you know, we would have, you know, me at Luis.com. We would know that that's the email address associated with your email, with your email account. Mm-hmm. Does that make cool. sense? Yeah, so scraping cool. is when you go in and you have a piece of software that takes the data off of web pages. And a lot of agencies it. do this, right? Businesses. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's software out there that makes it so easy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's publicly accessible data. There's right. really nobody that can stop you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we were scraping email addresses and this company had already done 253 million email addresses. Or oh, 200, how many? <laughs> 253 million. Like wow. they had somehow did that. I never, I believe don't ask, don't tell. I don't know how they got the data. I didn't <laughs> want to know how they got it. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. don't tell me, do you have it? <laughs> right? <laughs> do you have the data? That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. However you got it, you know, Send it to me with a different file name in a different mm-hmm. way, right? But he had the software to send the emails and everything. So um, I had gone and I tried to sign up and it gave me a, you know, an error message. So I mm-hmm. hit the guy up on Twitter and I'm like, hey, um, is, is this available? And he says, you know, I got busy on another project. It was just everybody's in the leads business, selling leads, mm-hmm. basically giving them away. So, um, you know, I just figured I would just get out of it. I'm like, are you interested in selling or doing a, a partnership where, mm-hmm. you know, I could pay you out of the revenue? He was like, no, I'll just sell it to you. And really? um, this was like December 28th. By January 7th, we had a signed proposal, mm-hmm. done a wire transfer. He had sent all, sent all of the, um, the uh, software over to me along with the database. And I owned the business at that point. And this was over Twitter, you said? Yeah, it's on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I slid in his DMs, homie. <laughs> yeah. So you're just on there, like, just, and you found this, 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 um, this business basically kind of, kind of out of chance, really. Yeah. I was, I was Googling looking for sales leads. Okay. Like, I'm looking for, for leads. Like, so then you, he pops up. He had his SEO mm-hmm. was working where he came up with leads and I clicked on mm-hmm. him. Like, oh, he has leads and the software. I don't need to buy this other software. Yeah. And how, how was that, the, that you know, process of buying the business? So it was, it was just like that simple, straightforward, you know, your DM them, you said, Hey, you interested in, in selling? And he said, yeah. Dude, we, we wrote up a, a one page thing uh-huh. like, Hey, this is what he's going to get. This is what I'm going to get. It was literally one page. Mm-hmm. Um, he agreed to work with me for six months. Okay. Um, 
as I transition 20 hours a week, as I transition um, someone new onto the business, mm-hmm. you know, and we came up to an hourly rate of what I would pay him every month. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how the deal was done. I mean, it was really simple. I mean, awesome. And, and, and is it that at that point that you even, did you ever think about consider buying a business before? Yeah. 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 No, I had worked mm-hmm. on, um, because my background was financial advising and right. I um, understood the power of owning mm-hmm. um, or buying businesses because I had read Dan Pena's first hundred million book. Mm-hmm. And back in like 2011, I had sent him a proposal to try to roll up uh, independent insurance agencies. Okay. And he, this was before Dan Pena was famous like he is now, mm-hmm. right? He was still kind of nobody knew him. Okay. You know, unless you had gone to one of his seminars back in the nineties, <laughs> you didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, barely anybody knew him. He was just kind of cursing people out on the internet and you could actually send him your roll up proposals Mm -hmm. and he would send you back notes like, Oh, I wouldn't do this because of this. We did this back in the early nineties and this is what happened. I think you're overpaying if you find the right people. I mean, like I have all the notes, like I'll never get rid of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But Thelma, his assistant at the time, you know, she set up a time for us to talk all of this stuff. Right. That's awesome. And this was before he was, Dan, the man, the trillion dollar man. Yeah, this is yeah, when he yeah. was like the the uh, fifty million dollar man, probably <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, the fifty million. <laughs> yeah, he he really wasn't like the billion dollar man that he calls himself today. Yeah, but he was a lot more um, willing to to deal with us uh, snowflakes than what mm-hmm. he is now, as he likes to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you didn't have to go to the castle to have an interaction with them. Right. Right. Now and he probably- would give you like a really good deal on the castle too. He was like, man, you know, just pay monthly, just come, you know? So, but he was really trying to get everybody to come, mm-hmm. which is good. I thought that was a good thing. You know? Awesome. So when you got pitched DB, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh yeah. No. So, you know, I had been trying, looking for businesses to buy, mm-hmm. um, but then this one just kind of fell in my lap, you know? Yeah. Um, I put together the dream team and done that whole thing. Right. I mean, I went after that process of trying to, to, um, to buy a hundred insurance agencies in a year. Mm-hmm. And then someone came into business and they were buying two every week. And I'm like, Oh, they're already doing it. And they had a $500 million line of credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, I can't compete with this, with these guys. I was only trying to raise a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. to do it. They had already had $500 million. And I mean, they took off like a rocket ship. I'm like, I just right. can't compete with these guys because they were raising the multiples of mm-hmm. the values. And I'm like, no, nah, it only works if you can get them for two to three times. Right. They were willing to pay five to six times. And it was just a better story for them. So I just said, forget it. Yeah. And, you know, went back to hustling until I could find another business that I could buy with my own money without having to raise private equity money because mm-hmm. they were just going to rate me. I mean, that's a yeah. bad word to use. But <laughs> they were, it's, that's yeah. kind of how it felt. I mean, yeah, yeah. I had a two-year agreement with the um, placement firm. Mm. And, um, I mean, they wanted a million warrants penny warrants I'm like come on man like you're totally robbing me right and um then you know the people that we were um raising the money from i mean they were going to take 85 percent of the business for putting up the upfront equity money really? you know wow. and i'm like you know am i just doing this for the for the sake of making them rich you know because i'm <laughs> mm-hmm. not gonna make any money i'm gonna work for the next 10 years and make nothing out of this yeah you know maybe i can just do it with my own money so that's gotcha. what i you know, and I'm sure, and, and I'm sure going from that, you know, going through that. And then, so I guess when you saw this, you know, you already knew this is like 
the perfect opportunity. You know, you, 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 I'm sure you had already knew like this. I'm yeah. Like I was smarter than the guy <laughs> I was buying it from. Really? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what you really want. Like in a deal, you always, you want to be smarter than the, as a, as a salesperson, you want to be better than a customer. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're selling something. Right. And if you're buying something, you want to be a better buyer than what they are a salesperson. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I was a better buyer than what he was as a salesperson. He's a better coder than me, but he wasn't a better buyer. Gotcha. Right. I was a better buyer than what he was as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And um, that eventually paid off because, um, you know, I understood some things that I could maneuver. You saw the potential in the, it? Yeah. I mean, I eventually got the business for free. I got him to walk away oh. from the deal. Oh, really? Give me the entire company. <laughs> How did that happen? We'll talk about that off the market. Okay. <laughs> but basically. So uh, that was a no money down deal? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did put down the earnest money. Okay. And then he reneged on some of the things he was supposed to do mm. in, the, in, the, in the actual work agreement part of it. Got it. Right? So when he reneged on the work agreement part, well, that's reneging on the entire contract because it was a part of the original purchase agreement. Mm-hmm. So if you renege on the, on the work part, then you reneged on anything, on right. everything else, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And he, once he realized that he says, well, I have no recourse. So let me just walk away. Let me just see if he'll just let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. That's what happened. Gotcha. And um, well, yeah, so I guess can you get to what pitch DB is and what it does. Yeah. So um, again, pitch DB started off as just the email database selling leads mm-hmm. and we converted it presently into um, the world's largest search engine for speaking opportunities. So mm. you can come in and search, you know, our podcast database. You can search our um, business database, our local association database to try to find speaking gigs or our conference database. You can go in and search for speaking opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you can reach out to the podcasters and ask them if they want to have you on as a guest, you know, kind of how we're here talking today. Um, you know, that's how I met you. I came over to talk to Ace Mm-hmm. And to um, show you all how to use PitchDB. Right. And, you know, at the time, one of um, your coworkers, she was in charge of doing that. And she reached out and got Ace Booked on podcast right there while we were at the meeting. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's what it is. It's about getting people booked for press opportunities, podcasts, or live speaking events. Yeah. And I remember you mentioned about like, you know, taking, you know, uneducated data, making it educated. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what this, this does, right? Yeah, so I mm-hmm. mean, on the in the data continuum, there are letters, mm-hmm. and letters. You put a group of letters together, they become words. Right. You put a group of words together, they become sentences. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you put a group of sentences together, it becomes a paragraph. A bunch of paragraphs becomes a story, and the larger you keep compounding those things, the more valuable it becomes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The alphabets right. are useless until they're made into. Uh, blockbuster movies, right? Or best-selling <laughs> books, right. right? So a bunch of email addresses are useless mm-hmm. until you can show people how they can use those email addresses. Right. So I had, a, I had 253 million email addresses, sure. But why? Okay, so we, we have job titles. Well, that's okay. But that ain't really that. Everybody's not in HR. Right. But okay, this is the recruiter that looks for, speaking, looks for speakers for these conferences. Yeah, I want him, right? <laughs> I'll give you money for, to talk to that guy. This is the senior editor for this magazine that's looking for contributing authors. Mm-hmm. And here's when they do their annual conference. Yeah, right. I want to talk to that person. This is the producer of the local television station 
and they're looking for people to be on their local morning shows, mm-hmm. right? That's educated data right. at that point. But when it was just their email address, it was stupid, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't worth very much. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And that's, that's where the value is really, you know, when you can get, put all those things together. Yeah, when you can educate it up. So, you know, the more, um, it's kind of like um, making cookies, right? right? If I just tossed you a bunch of flour and sugar without, without the right recipe, it doesn't turn into a cookie, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times, big data is just useless until you can put some type of algorithm or education to it, mm-hmm. some type of intelligence, whether it's artificial intelligence educating the data or manual intelligence, which is what we do. You know, I now have two people that go out and scrape oh, well. conferences and get particular data to add to the, you know, to the email addresses that we already have or to add to our database. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Does that you make know, sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, what would you say that is needed like to be not, not a successful entrepreneur, but what, what have you had to change? You know, did you have, did you have, did you, was there something that you needed to change to become a, I guess, better entrepreneur or business owner? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing is realizing that you have to trust people, right? Mm-hmm. You have to trust that other people will get it done. This was the biggest thing for me because mm-hmm. I can't code, right? Yeah, yeah. So was- I had to trust that my coders could build what I wanted, mm-hmm. right? I had to trust they were going to do it the way that I wanted to do it. And they weren't just going to sit there like this while the <laughs> clock's running. You know, they're not doing any of this. They're just like, oh, this dude is stupid. You don't know how long this takes. No, Mm -hmm. I ended up finding some really good developers that actually are are pretty smart and intelligent and um, honest. Mm -hmm. Um, So the same way you have to trust your accountants that they're doing the right things or your lawyers are writing the right things into your contracts. Mm -hmm. You have to trust that um, your developers are going to do their part too. And then the second thing I would say is if you own a company, you're not the best salesperson. You're an idiot. I mean, I don't, I don't apologize for saying that. Mm-hmm. You have to be the best salesperson. Why? Because you either got to go raise money. You either got to sell, you, you got to sell people on the idea to raise money. Right. You got to sell your employees on working there, okay. right? Working for you to follow your lead. You mm-hmm. got to sell, you know, customers on um, uh, buying your product, you know, your initial product or continuing to buy your product. So I also believe, you know, I know a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs and they'll say, no, I don't like selling. Well, you're going to lose the people like me because I'm just going to out hustle you. (laughs) Like I'm just going to, I'm going to go and take your business. I'm going to eat your lunch Mm -hmm. because I know I'm a better salesperson. Yeah. And would you say like, you know, growing up in St. Louis is kind of like the way that you did has helped you become a better entrepreneur? Yeah. Cause I ain't afraid of nobody. Like, (laughs) like, you going to scare me? Like, really? You, Mm -hmm. you gotta be really tough to scare me. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I like, seriously, like, I mean, I've seen, dude, I, I remember being in high school and um, these little kids would come and jump guys that were in the band. Okay. Like our school was in the middle of the projects, like surrounded mm-hmm. on all four sides by the projects. Right. And these kids would be eight to 10 years old and they would beat up the high schoolers because there would be 15 of them <laughs> and they would beat up the high schools, mm-hmm. high school kids take their wallets, take their hats, their jackets, their shoes. These were, these were kids, like right. 10 year old kids jumping people, but they had an advantage, mm-hmm. right? Their brother was standing right there with a shotgun under his, his, <laughs> um, under his trench coat. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. if you hit it, if you hit him, we're going to, I'm going to shoot you. You better not hit my little cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no, the I mean, <laughs> like 
how am I going to be afraid of anything when I watch this happen to people? Yeah, I mean, the main, the main reason I bring that up, you know, because uh, I like to tie in, you know, like things that, you know, situations where people were under a lot of pressure, had to go through a lot, but somehow they like, found a way to overcome, you know, because I feel like you can go either two ways. You could either like, well, take the bad route or use this negativity to like help you in your business and life and in general. So I like well, I, how you. I, well, I think everything that you want in life is on the other side of fear, mm-hmm. right? You know, dating the girl you want to date or dating the guy you want to date you're not with them because you're afraid to ask him out. Maybe. That's all that it is. You know, closing the deal you want to close, it's not closed because you haven't asked enough people to buy it, mm-hmm. right? You've asked one person, they told you no, you put your tail between your legs and you went home crying. No, right. keep going, keep going. Like, ask somebody else. I don't care. I mean, one of my mentors, I, I emailed him for two and a half years. Mm. I didn't care. He was going to have to block me. You know, he was too old to block. He don't know how to block people. So, uh, so he eventually he to responded. Deal with my emails. Yeah, he, he eventually responded. He says, look, why don't we just go to breakfast so you can stop emailing me? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, that's what he said. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I got a response, you know? So, I mean, everything you want is on the other side of fear. So I just think about all the, you know, I, I pledged a fraternity when hazing was legal. Okay. Right? Like, well, <laughs> I don't think it's ever been legal, but, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I probably have. I may have gone through some hazing okay. at some may, point may in my have. life. And I, I, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, whenever I go into a business meeting, I'm thinking like, number one, they're not hitting me with those paddles, mm-hmm. right? Nobody in here is about to kick my ass. So right. the worst thing they can do is tell me they don't want what I'm offering to them. Mm-hmm. So I already have an advantage going in because I know you can't hurt me. The worst right. thing you do is tell me no, and I'm just going to leave and go and talk to one of your competitors. <laughs> Right. So it's like, who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. so, but everybody's so afraid and I don't put any stock in, in the idea that I need to close this deal. Right. I don't need to close it because I got another one. There's a, there's another one. Yeah. There's a, (laughs) you know how many people I email today? (laughs) I don't care if 900 of them tell me no. I just want the 15 that want to meet with me. Exactly. I love it, man. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. So where can, uh, before we you know, wrap up, where can uh, people find you, find your business, find, you know, what's the best way to reach out to you? If they're interested yeah, so, in the Pitch DB, you know. Yeah, if you, if you want to hop on to Pitch DB, if you were to put, uh, if you were to go to pitchdb.com, sign up for early access. If you put Luis in the um, referral code, you know, I'll give you some free credits and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll walk you through Pitch DB and how you can use it to get booked on podcasts how to get booked on um, speaking gigs. So mm-hmm. you can go there to find PitchDB. If you just want to find me, I'm R-O-N-S-T-O-R-Y-J-R on every platform, whether that's Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, I, Snapchat. I have Ron Story Jr. on mm-hmm. every platform. Um, so yeah, you want to find me online, ronstoryjr.com. Yeah, I mean, it's that's it. Awesome. That's where I'm at. But and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and moral so, uh, of the story, don't be a coward, man. Life is too short to be a coward. You know, I'll mm. tell you a funny story that right. your listeners may like. You know, um, January 30th. Right. I don't remember. Is it 31 days in January or 30? 30? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. Whatever. The last day of January, I got drugged and robbed here in Medellin. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. And I woke up two days later in the hospital. Right. Okay. And all of my friends are asking, man. You, you, you coming back home. I know you, you're not going to stay there. I'm like, are you out of your mind? I'm staying. Like, they're not going to run me out of here. I'm okay. You mm-hmm. know, but most people get afraid. I just push further into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that crazy thing happened, you know, I could have ran home, but that's just not in my character. It's like, no, 
Like I didn't die. I learned a huge lesson. I learned that my life could be taken away at any point in time. Yeah. You know, um, I had a huge scratch on my head from when I fell. They pushed me out of the Uber. Oh, wow. I got robbed in an Uber. In an Uber? That's, yeah, in an Uber. I got drugged and robbed in an Uber. Yeah, they dropped me off at home. They just took my, my iPhone and my uh, watch and my wallet. You know, and, so it cost me like 300 bucks. But, you know, I got a new phone and a new credit cards within yeah. a week. It was important. you you you're alive, man. You're good, man. Some people don't make yeah, it out I'm of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, but this is the reason why, like I tell you, like, I'm just, you got to go forward. You, mm-hmm. you can't let somebody who can write a little check as a customer stop you from pursuing your goals. Your dreams are more important mm-hmm. than anything that anybody on the other side could do. And your life could be taken away. Imagine being dead and you never even tried to have the courage to go after what you wanted to go after. So, um, you know, it's not surprising that February we had our largest month with pitch DB. Mm. Why? Cause my whole perspective on it is like, Oh dude, I could be dead next week. Let me just <laughs> give this everything now. Like I was already crazy. Yeah. Imagine now it's like even more like more pushing, focus you know? driven. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, well, what do I have to lose? Like it could be taken all away from me and you know, it, it would suck. Yeah. You know? So I'm just like, yeah, just go. Who's going to stop me? Gotcha. So if you've never if you've never read the book uh the 50th law by 50 cent greatest book ever mm, it's a good one the greatest book ever like better than all the other bs books they tell you how to win friends and influence people <laughs> think and grow rich those books are trash go and get the 50th law the best book ever if you want to be an entrepreneur the 50th law by by who again? 50th law by 50 cent the rapper okay okay cool i didn't even know he had a book okay no, it is the best book, my favorite book of all time. Better than a four-hour work week. Okay. Because it, it gives you, it goes down to first principles. Gotcha. Which is fear. Everybody's afraid of something. Right. And that's the, that's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. Fear. Courage. Mm. That's it. That's the only difference. Courage. Who can stick in there the longest? Courage and action. Yeah. But it, yeah. it takes courage to take action. Right. So you got You can't even talk about action without <laughs> having courage. It's the first principle. Mm-hmm. David Goggins, courage. Not you know, not being afraid, like being tougher than everyone else. Right. Read the fiftieth law. Follow David Goggins. Change your life. I'll definitely read it. And that's now so the, the final question. What do you, what's what's Ron's legacy that he wants to leave on this earth? I don't know, man. I'm still young. I'm only 42. <laughs> I got a lot of life left in me, man. Dude, they tried to kill me last month, but I'm still here, baby. I don't know what my be. Man, I love that answer, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. I'm still a little baby, man. You know? Yeah. I got another 50 to 60 years on this place, you know? Yeah. And the more money I make, I may be able to extend that. I may be on that, uh, what's that one dude, Dick Cheney? He's had like nine hearts. I'm going to get me nine hearts. <laughs> make it a 200, man. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to be around forever. People are like, I don't want to be 90. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be 90. I want to be 90, yeah. right? You know, I'm, I'm proud. I made it to 42. I've buried 65 of my friends since I graduated from high school. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? You know, so yeah. imagine that. Imagine going to 65 funerals, you know? That, that, uh, yeah, that's a I lot. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So right. it's, it's a big deal, man. So moral of the story, I don't know what my legacy is going to be, but it ain't going to be written today. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like it. I love it. I love it, man. You know, I feel like, you know, so a lot of people think they have like an answer to that question. Well, I mean, I guess they do maybe at that point, but I mean, it's always going to change. I'm sure. Yeah, dude, um, I don't know. I don't know how great I am yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm okay now, but I, I don't know the full potential of my greatness. I'm still pushing right. the limits. You know, I, I mean, Bill Gates could have never told you when he was 16 that he was going to be <laughs> Bill Gates. Definitely Jeff Bezos didn't think he was going to be the Jeff Bezos he was mm-hmm. when he had spray painted Amazon on the wall. <laughs> he probably knew he had some potential, but he probably never imagined. The magnitude. Know? So I think that that's, you're limiting yourself mm-hmm. when you put limits. I don't want to think about what I'm going to be when I'm dead. You know, I, I want to be um, a fucking hero. That's what my legacy should be. I should be somebody's hero. There you right? go. There you go. Now, whatever, however they define that, who cares? But as long you know, as you live good. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. I like it, man. Well, man, well, Ron, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it, man. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to find this very valuable and insightful. Yeah. Well, hey, man, sorry for rambling, but more <laughs> of the story, if you, you just want to skip to the end of this, uh, the boiler of the story is be more courageous. Everything you want in life is on the other side of whatever your biggest fear is. So keep chopping down those fears. Life will definitely change for you almost immediately. Mm-hmm. If you want a girl, go kiss her. Go ask for her phone number. Just you want the guy, go get him. You want the business, go try to buy it. You know, mm-hmm. I would have never bought this business if I didn't reach out to the guy. You know, I wouldn't, I've never had any of the girls I've ever dated if I didn't reach out to them. So courage, you know, start with the first principle. Love it, man. Thanks, man. All right, man. Cool.